The Denver Broncos and Seattle Seahawks have agreed to a trade that will send Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos in exchange for a package of picks and players that'll be one of the largest in NFL history. We knew Russell was a little dissatisfied last year with what was going on in Seattle. Russell Wilson gets a fresh start in Denver. The Seattle Seahawks get all these picks and players to start to rebuild. Denver, not a lot of luck drafting and developing quarterbacks, but they bring in some veterans from time to time and make runs. ESPN Radio. Who needs to draft a quarterback when you can bring in Peyton Manning or Russell Wilson? You're listening to Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter at Chris Carlin and at ChrisCandy99. And we want you guys to continue to chime in on the question of whether or not Baker Mayfield is still a franchise quarterback. Hit the Candy Carlin line at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Nick in Louisiana, Ronnie in Florida, Cliff in Charlotte, and Dennis in South Carolina. We see you. And we're going to get to you, but first, Carlin, we got to talk about this because we're an hour into the brand new league year, and everybody wants to know where all of these quarterbacks are going to land. There are a lot of moving parts when it comes to the quarterback carousel in 2022. We've already seen a lot of movement, even going back to last week. One of the quarterbacks that was moved is Russell Wilson. Now he moves from the NFC West to the AFC West, and the Denver Broncos had their introductory press conference for one, Russell Wilson, and their head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, had an interesting way of introducing Russ. Take a listen. Wow. Come on, y'all. Russell Wilson. Holy. Um, very exciting. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's how you want your coach to respond to you if you're a player, right? Oh. When he goes to introduce you, he's just at a loss for words. He, he almost curses. He almost loses it. He almost cusses. In front of everybody, all the media members, knowing that this is going to be something that gets national attention. But, I mean, you got to be happy if you're Nathaniel Hackett, right? To have an opportunity to be a head coach and your first rodeo, you get Russell Wilson as your quarterback, not to mention a top 10 defense from a year ago. This seems like it's all set up for the Denver Broncos to not only contend in the AFC West, but to compete to represent the conference in the Super Bowl. Tough day for Vic Fangio. You're getting Russell Wilson? I'm working with Drew Locke? Yeah. I mean, come on. I'm not supposed to try to make that happen. Yeah, and then the guy before that, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same didn't, thing with Vance Joseph. Didn't work out for Vance Joseph either. No. So, But, no, I, I looked at this situation, and I was curious what would happen if Nathaniel Hackett was not able to land at Aaron Rodgers' plane. What would the Denver Broncos as an organization do? Now, I get it. George Payton and John Elway swear up and down that Russell Wilson was their guy, and they weren't even looking oh, at on. Aaron Rodgers. It was not a coincidence no, that that happened no. about two hours after Aaron Rodgers was going back to Green exactly. Bay. Exactly. And once Aaron Rodgers decided he was going to go back there, they announced that they had traded for Russell Wilson, and they gave up a lot. I mean, they gave up multiple ones, and they gave up three quality players to the Seattle Seahawks. But what you're getting in return is a quarterback that's going to allow you to compete against the likes of Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson. And the AFC as a conference has become an arms race. And I think that you have to view it through that lens in terms of the moves that teams are going to make now that we're into the new league year. Look, they are in a position where it is virtually impossible to try to compete with the quarterbacks they're going to be competing with. But now, 
They had to go and do it. It is an arms race in every way. Yep. And I don't care what the price was. And, Chris, this takes me back to what we just saw last year. And it is a copycat league. Last year, the Rams went out and got Matt Stafford and gave up a fortune for him. And then during the season, they went and gave up the picks. And they won the Super Bowl, and the GM is wearing a shirt that says blank the picks. Love it. You know? And I feel like this being a copycat league, when quarterbacks are now starting to really control more of where they're going to be playing, that teams were going to say, the heck with it. We'll give them all the picks you want. We got to get that guy. Because if we have that guy, we can honestly say for the next five years, every week we got a chance no matter what. We got a chance. Well, here's the thing. When it comes to first-round picks, it's a 50% hit rate when it comes to those prospects, and that number goes down when you start talking about quarterbacks specifically. So it makes sense to be aggressive when it comes to draft capital if you're a team that has a roster that's only a quarterback away. And when you looked at where Denver was or when you looked at where the Rams were from a year ago, those were clearly situations where you could say they were a quarterback away. I'm not quite sure that we have that team that's still left out there now outside of what we saw with the Denver Broncos. Just looking at the Deshaun Watson situation, I don't know that we have that team that's just a quarterback away where the Houston Texans could trade Deshaun Watson to and automatically we would consider them a Super Bowl contender. And if I'm sitting there and I'm I'm, I'm turning it a little bit right here, if I'm sitting there and I'm the Raiders and I'm looking at my situation, my guy's got one year left, hmm, I got to do something here. Do I need to maybe start sniffing around Deshaun and get in the mix? Well, do you really want to parachute Deshaun Watson into Las Vegas coming yes. off of what he's coming off of? That and is then problematic. also the season that the franchise had yep. with Henry Ruggs and that tragedy that. and John Gruden and then the situation with Damon Arnett, their former first-round pick, waving guns all over the Internet. I get that. I don't know that you want to bring Deshaun Watson in those bags into Las Vegas. I, I don't right. trust that situation. Okay. But I get what you're saying. Is Derek Carr good enough to allow us to compete in a division where clearly he's the fourth best quarterback? Absolutely. And I could even look at other places right now, Chris, and I could look at the – and I know this is going to sound a little bit nuts, but I don't think it's as nuts as it used to be or as maybe it would have been six months ago. Hmm. From the Bears – I have Justin Fields. I feel great about where he's headed. I think he can be really good, okay? And I might even try to win while I still have him on his rookie contract. That may be something, too, that I want to look at. But I can get Deshaun Watson if I trade him Justin Fields and some ones. I mean, Well, you, you, want, don't, you like, don't have your one this year. Well, nah, but I, you get my point. If yeah. I can build a package that is at least on par with what Cleveland and Carolina and those teams are actually coming up with, if I'm a team like that, we were just extolling the virtues of Cleveland for, of course you're going to consider him, he's better. Well, there are 10 more teams that can look at it and say, he's better than oh, what no, we Oh, no, there, there are more teams than that. Yeah. I mean, outside of five or six teams, you're talking about so I'm, every team I looking guess, at it and saying Deshaun Watson is better than what we got. I guess my point is, what you just said about first-round picks – I went back, and over the last 10 years, really since they stopped paying the big money up front for the draft picks and they did the rookie scale thing, yeah. the percentage of quarterbacks that hit in the in the first round is somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25%. Yeah. How do I not try to improve 
and get a guy like Watson as opposed to a one in four shot? No, you got to absolutely do it. And that's exactly the game plan that the Denver Broncos executed. And we do have sound from Russell Wilson at his introductory press conference with the Denver Broncos today. Here's why Russ thought the Broncos were the best fit for him. I think that knowing that, that the situation was probably going to be, there's going to be a change, I wanted to make sure that it was the right fit for me and for my family. Obviously, like as I mentioned earlier, uh, Denver was a place that uh, has meant a, long, a lot to me all over the years. But to know that this is a winning football team, you know, if I was going to if I was going to wave my no trade closet, you know, it had to be to a winning football team. And these guys are winners back here, and so I'm excited about it. It's a winning locker room. So it's about the players, you know, it's about the players. It's about obviously a great coaching staff and the organization, but uh, the players we help get it done, and uh, that's what I was excited about. And Carlin, I think there's a lesson to be learned for all young up and coming franchise quarterbacks when you get your next contract, build in a full no trade clause. So if you get into a situation like Russ found himself or like Deshaun is in right now, you have some say as to where you go. Because we know that organizations can ruin a quarterback's legacy by not putting the right supporting cast around him, by not having the right head coach, not having stability with that staff, and not having the right supporting cast in the way of players. And so with Russell Wilson, he went to an organization that has shown that they can win championships – with a quarterback coming in as a mercenary. They it, did it with Peyton Manning for Super Bowl 50. That ain't that long ago. That's 2015. Mm-hmm. And this is still an organization that has a rock-solid defense that's And in by place. the way, he was terrible that year. Exactly. Peyton Manning was te- <laughs> And they still won. Yep. So if you're Russell Wilson, you're thinking to yourself, if I go to that team with the players that they have on offense and the defense that's going to be supporting me and the organization that's going to be supporting me, even though I don't have an owner, I know I can win a championship. Deshaun Watson is probably searching for something very similar. So, young franchise quarterbacks out there, make sure you build in a no-trade clause in your second contract. It might just save your career. Don't just, be a... Just hmm. putting that out there. Don't be a... We have a saying on this show. Not sure we can say it on air, though. Coming up next, your calls on whether or not Baker Mayfield is still a franchise quarterback. Plus, if the Browns are unable to land Watson... What might be their plan forward at quarterback? You're listening to Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Carlin and Kenny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Is Baker Mayfield still a franchise quarterback? Tap in on the Kenny Carlin line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Carlin, let's get to these calls. Let's go to Ronnie in Florida. Ronnie, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? What's up, man? I've been on hold a while. There's a lot more on the plate than just turkey legs. Y'all been putting collards and mashed potatoes. Where do I start? (laughs) Well, I guess I'll start with your original question. Baker Mayfield, franchise quarterback. Yes, if he's playing in the XFL. (laughs) He better look out out because Baker Mayfield is the most famous backup quarterback we have ever witnessed. That's what's going to happen. He is a fool, Sean Watson, if he goes up north and he tries to get affiliated in the north in Cleveland or in Indy. He's going to be playing in the south. Watch what I'm telling you. Atlanta, New Orleans, or Carolina is going to land to Sean. And if you had a choice between Baker Mayfield or a draft pick, why would you go with Baker Mayfield? You're going to be looking for a new quarterback in three years, but you won't have the draft pick. You've Here's my problem, though. If we're, all right, if we're talking about not Cleveland, all right, but we're talking about somebody else, 
Mm. And you're talking about like the Colts. Yeah. You're talking about not just a draft pick. You're talking about giving up three or four draft picks to get into the first round to draft that guy. Yeah, but you don't have to pay that guy. That's the difference. You're talking about getting that guy on a rookie deal, which is going to be, what, four years, $25 million, $30 million, versus paying Baker Mayfield $19 million this year and then the contract extension that you know he's going to want, which is going to be in the ballpark of, what, the mid to high 30s on average annual value? No thanks. Not for the guy that's probably going to be the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the conference if you're the Indianapolis Colts. I, I get that. I'm taking a shot first. That's what I'm doing. I'm taking a chance. And that's what they're going to do if they don't. Let's take a chance on one of those other quarterbacks in the draft, and we can sign a veteran free agent quarterback, a guy like Jameis Winston, if you're interested, Marcus Mario. We'll go get one of those guys that's available rather than giving up draft capital for a guy that we know is limited and a guy that's probably not going to net us a championship. Those other guys are limited, too. Yeah, those other guys are limited, too, but those other guys are only serving as a bridge to your young quarterback being ready, the guy that you're going to trade all that draft capital for in order to move up into the first round. That's what you're doing. Let's go out to Mike in Delaware. Mike, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? What up? What's up, fellas? How y'all doing tonight? Good. What's going on? All right, so I agree with the first caller. He pretty much summed it up, man. He hit every point. I do not believe that Baker is a uh, franchise quarterback. Um, I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, so I hope Cleveland keeps Baker. <laughs> and, uh, I'm a Steelers fan. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, so I don't know, but Cleveland, they got something on their hands. They got to deal with that. Hopefully they can keep them, or if not, they can get somebody else like uh, Mariota. I think Mariota would be a great, you know, quarterback. You know, listen, I know Mariota's name's been brought up a lot. If Marcus Mariota could play, he'd be playing somewhere. Marcus Mariota can't stay healthy, which is why I don't trust him. But if I'm not depending on him to be my guy long term, he's the perfect bridge. Mariota, Winston, those are bridge quarterbacks. And if Baker Mayfield is not careful, he's going to turn into the next version of that. Okay, that's all I'm saying, though. In this case, you're right. I'm not going to ever try to argue of all those guys who are in front of him. Okay. Of course. But right now, I just, I all I want to do is tr- is treat Baker like he is a bridge guy. Like, I'm saying, when I say take a shot, if I'm the Colts, take a shot with him for a year and let's see what happens. Yeah, but the shot that I'm going to have to take in order to get him on my team, I'm giving up draft capital that I could use to get my future franchise quarterback. And remember, Chris Ballard said Why about, can't I do that Chris, next year Chris when Ballard, I have the one again? But Chris Ballard said, said it earlier. He said, I'm tired of putting a Band-Aid on the quarterback position. I know. I want to find a guy but, but I, that's going to that, be around for the next decade. But that's my point. I don't know that that guy is – if they believe one of the guys in the draft is that guy yeah. and they want to trade up and go get him, go nuts. Yeah. That's great. I understand that he doesn't want that. Sure. But I don't believe the option for him, for his guy for the next 10 years, is there right so now. So you're undermining your own argument, Carlin. Why would you give up anything for Baker Mayfield? I would – if it, I don't it, think he's there this year, I'm not so giving just, – so here's just my wait, point. So just wait. I'm, just wait. I, I'm All right. I'll just wait. But I also have a team right now that has a chance to win. So I, all I'm saying is if I give up a, a, a two or a three for Baker Mayfield – it is not going to kill me. So if it costs you a second-round pick, you're willing to give that up? For this year? 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm willing to. Listen, I just gave up a one to go get Wentz. How did that work out? Exactly. And, and that's right, my point. But that's but, my but point. Ballard it didn't and work Wright out. I've got to try something to go win now. And if you're playing a rookie quarterback, the two of them aren't going to be around to see him after well, this Well, Ballard year. will be around. I'm not sure Frank Reich will be around. Because you still are talking about a regime that has made the playoffs two of the last four years and had winning records in three of the last four years. So I, I don't know about Frank Reich, but I know Chris Ballard will be around. Let's, what? All right. Let me just answer me this question. I'm listening. What is going to give them the best chance this season to make the playoffs? To make the playoffs, you're going to have to. If you're going to try to make the playoffs this year, you're trading for a veteran what quarterback. What am I giving up for Jimmy Garoppolo? Probably a second round pick. What am I? You think I'm giving up the same thing for Jimmy Garoppolo that yes. I'm giving up for Baker? Even yes. though yes. they got to get, they can't get rid of him fast enough. Yes. I think I can get Baker for a three. Well, if you can get him from a three, that's a different conversation. But, a second, but think, a second round pick is a guy that you're you're hoping turns into a quality starter for your team. And I'm this, not giving that up for a quarterback like Baker Mayfield when I don't think the difference between Baker and Jameis Winston is that great. I understand that. But I would say that, and I'm going to use a word here that I cannot stand. Okay. Upside. I hate that freaking word. Okay. But... I believe there's more upside with Baker than there is with Jameis no, or Garoppolo. No, and, and that's where we have a fundamental disagreement, difference of opinion, and we'll hash that out on the other side of the break. Also, we got to get to Kyrie Irving, who dropped 60 last night for the Nets. So it begs the question, do the Nets even need Ben Simmons to win a championship if you got Kyrie as a full-time player with KD? ESPN Radio. Most of us get a certain number of opportunities. Some of us get more than others. The best opportunities are the opportunities that are backed up with belief. It's not just about opportunity, man. It's about someone believing in you. The madness has hit its peak. We're going to be ready. You be ready. And let's see what happens. Let's see what the hell happens. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter, at Chris Carlin and at ChrisCanny99. But, Carlin, right now we got to go into the Kenny Carlin line and bring on a fellow Virginia alum. I I don't even want to call him an alum. He's really a UVA legend, NBA veteran, ESPN basketball analyst Corey Alexander. And Corey's going to be on the call for the game tonight between the Mavs and the Nets. And, Corey... I got to ask you because you were paying attention to what was going on in Orlando yesterday when Kyrie Irving dropped 41 in the first half on his way to setting a Brooklyn Nets franchise record, scoring 60 points in one game. What was your reaction when you saw Kyrie go nuclear last night? My reaction was the fact that he has the ability to be able to do that and at the same time not playing regularly. And again, it's amazing. I mean, his skill level is off the charts. We've already talked about He's one of the most skilled players in the NBA. But at the same time, to be able to do that, and he's not really in rhythm. You think about it, he's not playing every game. So it's not like he's in rhythm. To be able to go do that, and most importantly, Chris, to be able to do it on 20 or 31 from the field, that's the amazing part. We've seen guys drop 50. We've seen guys get 60. But you don't see them do it on 31 shots. Corey, away from any of the decisions that Kyrie has made here, if you're a teammate of Kyrie's and this is all going on right now, how are you feeling about 
the prospects for this season? I feel good about it. And the reason I feel good about it is because I know that I've got Kevin Durant who can come get 50 at home and can carry us, and he can get a break on the road when Kyrie Irving is right there with him and allow Kyrie to really take on the scoring load and the ability to be able to do what he did last night. And, again, let's also remember now, this is Kyrie's second 50-plus game in the last two weeks. He did the same thing in Charlotte. He went for 50 at Charlotte four games ago. So when you have that to be able to go out on the road, I'm fine with it. And, again, I'm not a person that's going to beat up on Kyrie. I respect his decision. I respect the fact that he is sacrificing $17 million to stand on his word. And I believe that his teammates respect that as well. And more importantly, they know that when they go out onto the road, they're going to have a dynamic player along their side. Talking with ESPN basketball analyst Corey Alexander on ESPN Radio. And, Corey, we heard Steve Nash say last night that he's hopeful to get Ben Simmons back before the end of the regular season. I want to pose this question to you. If Kyrie Irving is able to be a full-time player once the postseason gets here, do the Nets even need Ben Simmons in order to win a championship? The answer to that is an absolute yes. When you think about Ben Simmons, and his ability to not only distribute the basketball, rebound the basketball, push the basketball, get that team out into transition, but Ben Simmons can be their best defender on Giannis. Ben Simmons can be their best defender on Embiid. When you think about the top players in the East that they will go up against, Ben Simmons can be their best defender on each and every one of those players. And if they are fortunate enough to make it to the NBA Finals, there's nobody in the West that he can't make it tough on. Now, you can't stop Jokic, but he can make it difficult. And I think that's the biggest thing with Ben Simmons, what he gives them on the defensive end of the floor. But more importantly, he does not have to need the ba- I mean, get the basketball and get shots on the offensive end. Corey, how long would a guy like Simmons need legitimately to be ready for the postseason in your estimation at this point? I would love to see him get in at least two weeks of regular season action to get acclimated. And again, you know, the one thing, and you mentioned earlier, when you talk, you know, Brooklyn, it's two different teams. It's a team on the road and it's a team at home. And so Ben Simmons can be a part of both of those, but you want to have enough time for him to be able to play with Kyrie and to be able to play without Kyrie. But I have got a feeling, guys, and, you know, I'm not a New Yorker. I don't know as much about this whole situation. But I got a feeling when we get to playoff time, the Nets are going to just pay that fine to have Kyrie on the floor. I honestly believe that's going to be the case. I think it's worth it to pay the fine to have him on the floor. And you think about it. You saved $17 million this year off of his salary. You can afford to pay that fine and allow him to go out there and play in every home playoff game. Talking with UVA legend and ESPN (laughs) basketball analyst Corey Alexander on ESPN Radio. And Corey's going to be on the call tonight for Mavs Nets. And that coverage starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. And Corey, the other team in the matchup that you're covering tonight, the Dallas Mavericks, they've quietly won, what, seven of their last nine games since the All-Star break? This is a team that's catching fire at the right time. And Luka Doncic has a lot to do with that. And they've included two wins over the Golden State Warriors in that span of games. So, your take on the Dallas Mavericks and whether or not this is a team that could potentially make some noise in the Western Conference once the playoffs kick off. 
start with, you're actually the legend, my man. So let me make sure I get that clear. <laughs> let, me, let me get that clear before we start. When I heard the name Chris Canty, I'm like, oh, there goes my guy. So then when you start talking about the Dallas Mavericks, you have to think, one, the reason why they've been so hot since the All-Star break and really since the beginning of this year, started the calendar year 2022, is because of what they're doing defensively. You have to go back and say, what has Jason Kidd brought to this team? It's been a defensive mindset. Jason Kidd started his coaching career here in Brooklyn, but as a player in Brooklyn, Jason Kidd from 2001 to 2007 was an all-defensive member, all-NBA defensive team member. That's a mindset that Jason Kidd has, and he has been able to communicate that to his team, and more importantly, he's gotten the message across to Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic will never be a great defender in the NBA. And what he's doing offensively is the same as what he's been doing offensively ever since he stepped foot on an NBA floor. But the difference between what's going on now for Dallas and what has been going on in the past is the team is a much better defensive team, and Luka is trying. Keyword, trying to help them on the defensive end of the floor. Corey, two-part question real quick on the tournament number one. What number one seed has got the toughest road in your estimation? And number two, do you have a sleeper team in this tournament? Toughest road, in my opinion, for a number one seed is going to be Baylor. And simply because Baylor is not at full strength. They're not, they're not whole. When you talk about everyday John is not going to be with them. And when you have the possibility of going up against Armando Baycott in the second round, if the North Carolina is able to advance, not having a big like that to be able to defend Baycott could be a problem. But I see Baylor being the first seed, first number one seed that goes down. And I tell you this, when I look at sleepers, St. Mary's, St. Mary's, I had them earlier this year at the Maui Invitational, which of course was in Las Vegas. And I was so impressed with that team. And you're talking about a team that beat Gonzaga earlier this year when Gonzaga was at its best. Beat Gonzaga. They are an old team. Tommy Cooden, their point guard, is in his sixth year. And this team knows what they're doing, especially around this time of year. I believe they are my sleeper team. I think they're a five seed right now. And that's a five seed that you could see advancing deep into the tournament, possibly in the Final Four. Well, Corey, we appreciate you jumping on with us, my man. Enjoy the call tonight with Mavs Nets. That coverage is starting at 7 p.m., Best of luck, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Anytime I get a chance to talk to a UVA legend, my man, just hit me up. You know how to find me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh right. God, enough with the UVA right, That's ESPN <laughs> basketball analyst Corey Alexander, who's on the call tonight for Mavs Nets. Coverage starts right here at 7 p.m. Eastern. Brackets are open. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to get started on yours. And remember... You can fill out up to 25 men's and women's brackets for a chance to win $100,000 in prizes for both the men's and women's games. For more details, see the Tournament Challenge app. Join our show group, The Canny Bracket, which Chris Carlin has put on his Twitter account, at Chris Carlin. So go ahead and check that out for us and and submit your sheets of integrity. And uh, just as an FYI, since we're talking about the NCAA Tournament, a head coach that's had a lot of success in the NCAA Tournament won Jay Wright, head coach of the Villanova team. He will be joining Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m., so make sure you lock in for that as well. Coming up next, your calls, and also, I got to get something off my chest when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. 
And no, you ain't heard me say this before, but I got to go off on that. You're listening to Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. I wanted to ask you from your perspective, who is this game more important to? Um, to me, um, it's important. But I don't. What, who's it more important to you, Chris? You should tell me. Mate, 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 mate. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and E+. And Carlin, I've had it up to here with the Aaron Rodgers narrative. And by that, I mean the excuses that everybody and their mama come up with as to why Aaron Rodgers can't win a championship, why he can't get back to the big game. Everybody wants to acknowledge that he might be the most skilled quarterback in the game today. And no matter how you want to rank him, if he's number one, if he's number two, he's one of the most skilled quarterbacks in today's game. So much so that Brian Gutekunst, their general manager, has given him a contract extension to the tune of $50 million on average annual value. I I don't understand why everybody is now assuming that all the pressure is on Brian Gutekunst to somehow make this work for Aaron Rodgers to get back to the Super Bowl. Make that make sense. I don't understand it. I'm hoping that you could shed some light on it. Well, as I understand it, to be a general manager and add players to your team to make it better, you need salary cap space. Am I correct? You are correct. It would appear to me that the Packers are going to be somewhat challenged in that regard, given the salary demands that were met regarding Aaron Rodgers. Okay. So I don't really see myself making sense of that for you. How is the pressure on Brian Gutekunst? When he has so little to work with, maybe, just maybe, spitballing here, mm. pressure's on the guy getting $50 million a year to elevate the team. I, I, I think there's a reason why everybody doesn't get paid the same thing, right, Carlin? Because mm. not all players have the same kind of impact on winning. And so when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, if you're getting paid the most money of any player in the National Football League, the expectation is that you're going to make everybody else around you better. Everything is not going to be ideal with your team. And that's the problem that I have with Aaron Rodgers because everybody comes up with excuses, even people that are on our air, come up with excuses as to why the Green Bay Packers don't have success and they want to make somebody else the scapegoat other than Aaron Rodgers. But this is a guy that decided, you know what? I want to get paid this amount of money. And although they lowered his cap number for 2022, he's still taking up over 13% of the cap. And it's a situation now, if you look at the last 11 Super Bowl winners, none of those guys came close to taking up that percentage of the cap. None of them. So there's an issue when it comes to Aaron Rodgers winning Super Bowls, and he might just want to consider taking a page out of Tom Brady's book in terms of how to get that done. ESPN Radio. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Kenny Carlin line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. We want to hear from you on whether or not Baker Mayfield is still a franchise quarterback, but also, now that the Dallas Cowboys are running out of cap space, how much pressure is on Dak Prescott? We'll get to that in a moment, but first, let's go to William in Alabama, William, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? What's going on, fellas? I can't call it. What you, what you got for us? All right, so quick question. I'm a Colts fan, right? I think five quarterbacks in five years, I would say go get Jameis. Uh, Baker is not a franchise quarterback anymore. I can't name but Michael Pittman, and that's it at the receiver position in Indy. He has nobody to throw to, even if we brought Baker. 
So the talent was way better in Cleveland than it would be in Indy on the receiver and tight end side. So it, why waste draft capital to even bring this guy over when we just did this with Carson Wentz? I'm with you on that one, William. And to take it a step further, why waste the cap space? It's $18 million, well, $19 million for Baker Mayfield with his fifth-year option. Why waste the cap space if you don't have to worry about doing that with a guy like Baker Mayfield and giving him a contract extension? Why not just go out and get a free agent guy, a guy that can be a Band-Aid for a couple of years until you can bring whatever young quarterback that you draft along? They've got $54 million in They've got the space. most cap space. So and where, and what are they using it on right now? Well, that's what I was going to get to. I was going to say about the receiving core, you can go out and spend money on receivers. You can go out and pay for a guy like Allen Robinson if you want to throw big money at him. You can go do some of the things to supplement the roster and make this better for a quarterback, make it more user-friendly. You have that opportunity if you're Chris Ballard. So I'd be interested to see in some of the moves that he's going to make over the course of the next couple of days. But everybody wants to know what he's going to do at the quarterback position. And to me, this is going to have to be going down parallel paths. That, that's going to have to be getting a quarterback that can be a bridge option and then also trying to find a young quarterback in the draft. I don't know that there's an option that you can settle on that's available for trade or free agency where you feel like you got your guy for the next 10 years. But – Speaking of having your guy for the next 10 years, the Dallas Cowboys last year lacked up Dak Prescott to a long-term deal. Four-year contract, $160 million, $40 million a year, Carlin. That's a lot of money to be paying Dak Prescott. Well, now they're dealing with some of the, the consequences for paying their quarterback that. And I don't know if it's fair to family that consequences or most sort of ramifications, but you're losing some key pieces. You were forced to trade Amari Cooper in a cap crunch. You're open for business when it comes to Lyle Collins. You, you you decided that you couldn't re-sign Cedric Wilson. You, you've got a lot of moving pieces. Connor Williams is an impending free agent. You're probably not going to be able to bring back. You lost Keanu Neal. You're not signing Leighton Vander Esch. There are a lot of moving pieces on the Dallas Cowboys team, and it's a product or byproduct of Dak Prescott making a whole lot of money, which begs the question, should more pressure be on Dak Prescott in order to get this team to where they want to go, which is competing for championships. I, I think I can ask it, uh, answer it with one word. Duh. I mean, come on. At what point do we actually start pointing at Dak to go and get it done? When he wanted this contract, he got this contract, he got it off the injury that he got it, and at what point do we just raise the expectations here? Mm. You know, in general... With superstars, when they get paid like superstars, now they appear to want to take the pressure off themselves and kind of look around. Aaron Rodgers certainly would be one of those guys. Yep. But where is the understanding that with taking that money and assuming that role, that there actually are ramifications to that and expectations that should be there. When you are keeping me from going and getting another premium player because I'm paying you the percentage of the cap that I am, to me, you're responsible for making that up. Yeah. You're responsible for making up for not having that guy. So if I don't have a great wide receiver for you, you need to be good enough to go make that guy better. The guy that we have, make him better. Other, other great quarterbacks have done that. Have done that many times. We we can go through chapter and verse on Brady, as we mentioned yesterday. I mean, how Brady's not getting a piece of a lot of contracts for wide receivers, I don't know. But there have been plenty of them. So, Dak, be better. Make everybody else around you better. 
That is the job. That is the job. Yeah, you have to be better, and you're going to be working with less. That's just the reality of where this team is. If you take the money, it's going to be harder to win. You have to – it's on you. Drew Brees took the money. He only won one. He took every penny. He only won one. Yeah, you have a decision to make. And I'm not saying that guys shouldn't be – Going out there and trying to get their back, Carla. That's that's not what I'm no, saying. No, I'm no, a no. Cap- I'm a capitalist. I believe in making as much money as you possibly can. But understand but don't, what comes. But don't tell it. me your legacy is important to you when you're absolutely advocating for top dollar every single time you go to the and negotiating table. And don't complain table. about what you don't have. Exactly. When you, you're taking every penny. You can't reconcile those two things. You just can't. And so for Dak Prescott, with an aging offensive line in front of him and losing some players in their skill position core, not to mention a running back who's got a contract like an anchor in Ezekiel Elliott, (laughs) you're realizing now that the degree of difficulty for Dak is going to be a lot tougher. And let's just say this. He's benefited from having a down NFC East the past season. I'm not quite sure the NFC East is going to be as bad as it was last year, and we have not seen a repeat champion in the NFC East since 2004. So Dak Prescott has got a lot of heavy lifting for the Cowboys in the 2022 season. Speaking of heavy lifting, the Texans got some heavy lifting. We're trying to find a trade partner for Deshaun Watson. 